This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 24, and the quote of the day is from Pablo Picasso, who said, action is the foundational key to all success. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Ruffini, and we're coming at you with information, education, and motivation for drumming and beyond. What's going on, everybody? Nick Ruffini here with another session of the Drummer's Resource Podcast. And this is a new podcast that we're going to be doing every Thursday. And this is like the the drum chat kind of uh, inside scoop business technique drum talk kind of thing. I don't know if uh, if that explained it very, very well. But I'm going to be covering all sorts of topics, everything from playing techniques to uh, how to book yourself and how to handle social media and, you know, um, how to sign record deals and, and how to get endorsements and, and different things like that. So part of it will be me going through some stuff. And also I'll be bringing on industry professionals like social media experts and, uh, you know, artist relations reps and people from record labels and, and entertainment lawyers and different things just to help you along your way, uh, just to help you step up your game a little bit in terms of the business side of things, but also on the playing side of things. So it'll just be an all-around conversation about all things drums. So anything that happens to come up or some things that we, that we think we need to touch on or that people email us about, then we're going to include those in the podcast. So you never know what you're going to get on Thursday, but it's definitely going to be all drums every Thursday. It'll just be some different things. Like I said, some business stuff, some some drumming technique or, or playing things or practice things or tips and tricks and, and different tools that you can use to step up your game in the drumming world. And the first guest that we have is Chris Cohen, who owns a company called Bands to Fans. And he's a social media expert, and he handles social media for Rich Redmond, Daniel Glass, Huey Lewis and the News, Cowboy Mouth, and some other bands and musicians. So he totally gets what is necessary on the social media side and understands how it works and also how to use it properly to maximize engagement with your fans and potential fans and how to get more fans, how to get more likes and, and ultimately how to get more people to your shows and how to get more people to your website. And, and your um, you know, if you're selling a product or a CD or, or concert tickets or anything, Chris is the guy to help with that. And I'm stoked that he's here today. So without further ado, we're going to get into the interview. Welcome Chris Cohen from bands to fans. Chris, my man, what's happening? How are you? Thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate it. My pleasure. I'm it's great doing to have great. you on the show because typically we have guys that are drummer. Well, you're a drummer, but guys that are that specifically just play professionally, and we talk to them about how they how they manage to forge this career in drumming. And you have kind of gone a different direction with that. With helping other people with their careers through social media and through uh, online marketing and, and managing their their online presence, so to speak. Um, can you give us mm-hmm. a little bit of background on, on the stuff that you do uh, and how you got into it? Sure. Um, well, basically, you know, it's, it's helping musicians uh, better connect with their fans 
through social media, through things like Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, etc. Um, and finding the right balance between um, letting people know about, you know, the new album, about the tour dates, about the clinics, etc. But also um, informing them, inspiring them. So it's not just a constant sales pitch mm -hmm. and, and doing what you can to connect with your fans, followers, people who are just interested in what you have to say. Um, as far as how I got to this point, I, um, let's see, trying to give you the, the, the abbreviated version. Uh, so I've always been kind of a, a music junkie and, um, you know, I'm convinced I'm one of the few people who, who reads the liner notes on all the albums that, that, that he gets, you know, um, hey, I still, I, I do that. <laughs> okay. All right. People are out there so are like, you, what are liner notes? <laughs> right. No, so you and me, you know? I mean, even now in the digital age, you know, I'm really excited if, if there's a digital booklet, you know, that I can delve into when I get an album. Um, so I've always been a, a music junkie as far as that went and, and uh, started working in, in rock radio uh, in Los Angeles um, when I was in college and then had my own show at a station in Santa Barbara. Um, after graduating from college, and that was really cool and, and interesting, but rock radio was kind of going, starting its 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 descent at the time, and uh, and the, the whole vow of poverty thing that comes with working in radio, I wasn't too into. Right. Um, and so uh, after that, I went into the tech world and started working for companies like Netscape and Cisco and Hewlett Packard and all this kind of stuff. But I always loved music and uh and still kept my uh how my interest active in that so as is typical with the the tech industry i was laid off several times and one time after being laid off i um i was doing some freelance writing just just for my own fun and that led to an interview with huey lewis in the news and in prepping for that, I noticed you know, I was studying what they had going and everything, and they weren't doing a lot with social media at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, they were on Facebook, but they, they weren't doing much with it. Uh, they weren't on Twitter at all. And so as I, I started talking to their management and saying, you know, I, I think you're missing out here. I think there's a lot of uh, interest still in this band, and you have a lot of fans out there that are not connected, and, and you could really benefit from this. And their management at the time was a little weary, and they said, well, yeah, maybe. And and when, when was this, Chris? This was 2011. Okay. Um, and the reason why, I, not to cut you off, and the reason why I asked, because, you know, it's in 2011, they should have been, I feel like they should have been hip to it. But, you know, if it was 2005 or 2006, you know, then... People are like, well, we don't really understand what this whole social media is and what the ROI is of, of social media. You know? Right. But now it, it, in 2011, you're like, man, you guys are kind of behind the times a little bit. Yeah. I mean, you know, it wasn't really pushing the envelope quite at that time. It okay. was still people weren't still sure how to use it exactly. But most bands were at least on had presence there. Right. So um, and I said, you know, I think I can help you with this. And they were kind of iffy. And um, so three days before the show, I got a phone interview with Huey. And uh, at the end of the interview, I gave him my pitch. And I said, you know, you only have 7,000 followers on Facebook. I think you have a lot more in the world. And, 
and you know you could really be reaching them better. Sure. And uh, he said, "Yeah, I like what you're saying. I, I got to go do another interview, but let's talk about this more on on Saturday." And I said, "Great. How?" And he said, "Well, <laughs> you're coming to the show, right?" And I said, "Well, I have tickets. I don't have backstage passes." And he said, "Well, now you do." Nice. So. Went to the show. I met with him, uh, the manager, Lowell, uh, Bill Gibson, the drummer, who mm -hmm. uh, at that time was was the guy mainly doing anything with their social media. And, you know, I kind of gave him the pitch about, you know, I, I think there's a lot of untapped potential out here. You're not doing much with Facebook. You're you're not on Twitter at all. There are three fake Huey Lewis accounts on Twitter. Right. Um, I said, at least I assume you guys weren't the ones that created the account with the name I'm Huey Lewis, bitch. Uh, and and Huey said, "I don't know. I may have said that at one point in time." Um, and uh, so, and he's like, "Yeah." He said, "We're gonna think about this. We're gonna think about this." So then, we, uh, my wife and I, went back out. We watched the show. It was great. We came backstage after the show, and Huey said, "You know, I think we're gonna give this a try." And so uh, three weeks later, management called up and said, all right, we're going to give this a try. Um, and this is like September or something of, uh, of 2011. Mm -hmm. And they said, uh, we'll try it till the end of the year, you know, and, and, and see how it goes. And uh, basically, I've been with them ever since. Hmm. Awesome. And not only that, I mean, you're with Huey Lewis in the news. You handle Rich Redmond's stuff, you mm -hmm. Daniel Glass's stuff, um, yeah. uh, Cowboy Mouth. Yeah. And and uh, so you have a bunch of clients and it's not, you know, it's not like you just talk them, talk to Huey Lewis and the news into it. And then, you know, everybody else was like, no, nah, man, you're, you know, you're out of your mind. We're not going to hire you to do this. Right. Kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. So you're dealing able, with some heavy hitters. Yeah, I've been able to, to build it up a little bit more and a little bit more. And, uh, you know, I'm lucky I, I work with some some uh, nice people. You know, I think it helps that I'm kind of a smaller deal. I'm not some big agency in the sense right. that if someone's willing to talk to me, they tend to be a little more open-minded mm -hmm. and a little nicer. Right. Um, so that, I think, has kind of worked in my favor. And so, so far, all the musicians uh, that I've connected with tend to be nice people in general. So you would mention that, you know, a lot of people that have that have Facebook accounts it's they have they it's always like a sales pitch yeah and and i think that i understand what you're saying with that but can you maybe explain it to the listeners where you know i i i get social media and i think that a lot of people understand how to how to quote unquote use social media mm -hmm. you know how to make posts and and how to do this but how to effectively using it or how to effectively use it is something that's totally different and it can't always be a sales pitch. Can you can you just kind of explain that a little bit to you know to guys that are out there that have bands? Yeah, well, I mean, like just yesterday, I was talking with a manager of a band, and um, you know, trying to give her my approach to all of this because I felt her her band that she works with was doing it was just they're very sporadic on social media mm -hmm. um and her opinion was she said well we just kind of you know mainly she thought it was something you do sporadically when you have a new album or you have a concert date to push right but at that point then you kind of become known as number one you kind of become known as the band 
that only talks to its fans when it wants money from them. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's got to be a little bit more give and take. Right. Uh, and two, you know, I, I don't think you can ramp up overnight. Um, you can't just suddenly say, all right, well, we have a new album out, you know, and um, you can't just suddenly throw that out there and expect to gain tons of followers or expect a lot of people to suddenly take notice. Right. Um, you know, I know that, that there was the whole thing with Beyonce suddenly releasing an album overnight this past year, but mm-hmm. she's been working social media all that time and, and you know, and, and, and mainstream media as well. So it's like... And that release been... was strategically planned. Right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, that's the exception as far as that goes. Um, and the other thing is, my whole thing is you don't want to take advantage of your fans. These are people that, you know, are shelling out money for your albums and your concerts and are willing to spread the word about what you're doing and, and your music. And and so if you can just give them a little bit of insight and treat them with a little bit of respect, it goes a huge way in, in really forming these strong bonds with people. And I don't know. Most people don't want to be sold constantly over and over and over again, right. even if it is a band, even if they have cool music coming out and concerts coming out. Um, you know, again, talking about reading, you know, being one of the few guys in the world to read the liner notes. I didn't read the liner notes because I was looking for more stuff to buy. Right. I read the liner notes because there was I wanted to find out more about these bands. And, you know, I find if you give them interesting content and and just talk to them about who you are and talk to them about your music. They really respond to that. And, mm-hmm. and uh, it, you, you build up a, a genuine engaged following at that point. Totally agree. I've, uh, I've studied, you know, a lot of social media stuff for, for years. And, you know, one, I always equate it to if you had a television station and all they played was commercials, how long would you watch right. that, that television station? You know, you're like, I'd watch it for 30 seconds and then I would change the channel. So if you're going through your news feed and it's always like, hey, buy this T-shirt, buy my new record, come see our show. You know, after a while, it's like, man, all these guys do is sell and they're not really engaging. So people stop engaging with their posts. And the less you engage with their posts, then the less you're going to see of their posts. And it's kind of, you know, it's kind of a uh, it's kind of killing yourself slowly, shooting yourself in the foot. Yeah, exactly. And and it throws away this massive advantage that musicians have, you know, they through their music and what they do uh, automatically form this great connection with people, an emotional connection that they have that, you know, all these other brands, car companies, et cetera, would kill for. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and and so many the, the irony is all these bands throw that away or a lot of these bands throw it away and just try and mimic what the car companies are doing on social media. <laughs> the car companies are trying to do what the bands have. Right. They're exactly. The bands. Meanwhile, the car companies are paying millions of dollars for some cool song because they know it, it connects with people on an emotional level. Right. Which is just amazing. Yeah. It's funny. The, <laughs> the irony. So. Now, let's say I have, uh, you know, I have a band and we're, you know, we're we're kind of a local band and we have, 
maybe a couple hundred couple hundred followers on on Facebook. What's your advice for somebody like that that maybe doesn't have a ton of money to spend on advertising and doesn't have a, a ton of money for you know for the Facebook ads and and stuff like that? How can they grow their their followers and how can they really get interaction from their fans because I know a lot of people say well I post on Facebook but nobody ever likes my posts or nobody ever comments on my posts so I don't really see the point of it yeah um I don't know if you're not getting interaction um there's there's two issues to look at number one it could just be what you're posting um some people just again they kind of mimic what others are doing and they just post dull stuff and, right. you know, stop taking pictures of your lunch for crying out loud. You know, <laughs> it's like um, no one really cares what you're eating. You're not going to increase album sales by a really good shot of your breakfast burrito. There went my entire marketing strategy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> now back to square one for me. Right. No, I know. It, it's it, you know, again, you know, you're a musician. You have, you know, all these skills, experience, songs to talk about. Most, in most cases, unless you're instrumentalist, lyrics to share with people mm -hmm. that really, you know, resound with people. Go into that stuff and, you know, talk about uh, your recording process. Talk about bands that influence you. Talk about um, what inspired different songs. And and it's funny, you know, the, the more you talk about that, the more people I find will interact. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, the other thing that you have to watch out for, which is becoming more and more of a thing, is, you know, people trying to get their their numbers up on, on things like Facebook have paid for advertising to to increase fans. But a lot of, you know, and some of them have even gone to services where you can, all right, I'll buy, you know, we guarantee you 1,000 followers for $70 or something. Right. But the problem is there you end up with a bunch of fake fans. Right. Um, and even if you advertise on Facebook itself, trying to optimize for likes, trying to optimize the number of page followers you have, you can end up with a bunch of fake followers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the problem is those people aren't really looking at your content. So that's, you know, it looks good if you have a few thousand followers uh, when they come to your site. But, you know, then you're sending out your message to people that aren't really there, that aren't really there to respond and read and and see what you have to offer. And more importantly, fake followers don't buy albums. They don't buy concert tickets. Right. Um, so my thing is just trying to be genuine and going out there and talking about what you do. Um, it doesn't have to be slick and heavily produced you know, the more honest about it you are, the better. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, if nothing else, just saying thank you to the people who came to your shows can be a huge deal. And making sure to respond to people who comment and, and ask questions. Right. Um, so many bands don't. It's a one way street. They're broadcasting, but they're not conversing at all. Right. And they're not even bothering to click the like button. So, you know, people post comments and it's like, I don't know if anyone is even looking at this. Mm -hmm. So if you can at least go through, I know you're busy, but if you can at least go through and click the like button for nice comments, compliments that you get, you know, that tells people that you're there and you're listening and it'll bring them back to your page. And that you appreciate them interacting with your with your content. Yeah, exactly. So what you're saying, the, the key is just creating epic content 
uh, you know, create great content that that they can't get from somewhere else. It, you know, it's insider information, giving people the inside scoop and letting them kind of opening the door to to what's going on inside of the band a little bit. Yeah, I think, you know, I'm all for quality over quantity. There are lots Absolutely. of people out there that just no, no, you got to post, you know, 20 times a day and this and that. And, you know, most people don't have something to say 20 times a day. Right. Um, it's if you can, you know, come up with something genuinely good once a day, you know, then people will respond. It doesn't have to be 20 times a day. Right. Um, and. You know, again, it's it's your as you said, it's it's part of it's behind the scenes, or part of it's just um, there are times where I, I help bands do posts that involve their own lyrics, and again, you know, I think lyrics are like the secret weapon for bands on online. You know, it's something that most brands, you know, the car companies, et cetera, would kill for and don't have. And, you know, but most bands ignore. And yet if you do something interesting with your lyrics, with a photo, you know, that's what connects them to your songs. And it can be as simple as that. And, you know, I've posted that for different bands and it's gone, uh, you know, it's getting shared hundreds and hundreds of times and thousands and thousands of likes. Makes sense. Now, what if we narrowed the scope a little bit and it was, say, just for a drummer? If a drummer was saying, well, I, I, I'm trying to get out there and, you know, I don't read or I don't I don't have all these lyrics and I don't have all this, uh, you know, all these tunes that I can share with people. What would you suggest for the drummers that are listening to this? Because you manage right. some some drummers uh, accounts. So I think that uh, your insight would be very helpful. Yeah, and admittedly, that's a trickier thing. Um, number one, because you don't have the lyrics. And number two, um, you know, sometimes it's walking a fine line in the sense like, you know, working with Rich Redmond, you want to promote yourself, but obviously you don't want to look like you're competing with the act you're supporting. Right. Um, and... You know, and some artists become, you know, uh, a little sensitive about that kind of thing. You mm -hmm. know, I mean, the truth is no one's going to overshadow Jason Aldean. You know, the man sold out Fenway Park two nights in a row. Right. Um, and there's there's aspects as a drummer that you can tap into in in. Well, number one, there are all these other drummers out there that are looking for information or just inspiration. Rich is fantastic with that, with, you know, with how motivating he is. And so what we've talked about a lot is, is delving into things that he comments that he'll just throw out in casual conversations or during one of his clinics. And if you put that kind of stuff out there, when he talks about his crash program, when he talks about the passion necessary for it all, it's, mm -hmm. you know, Putting that out there, just a little bit, a quote here, a quote there, um, that can really inspire people. And, 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 you know, these people are looking to you um, to tell them how to do this well, how to do this right. You know, some of it can be instructional, uh, working with Daniel Glass, you know, and all that he knows about drumming. And, and we're, you know, we're starting to craft more where it's putting some of that knowledge in just little bite-sized chunks mm -hmm. out 
out there as far as his social media plans go. Um, you know, he's he's one of the few guys, well, I mean, one of the limited number of people that studied with, with Freddie Groover. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a lot of people that are very curious as to uh, not only Daniel's knowledge, but, you know, what did Freddie teach all of these these great drummers? Right. And so just, you know, little snippets of, of information about, you know, how to get the best bounce from the stick and how to move in such a way that, you know, is 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 optimal. And so you're not fighting, you know, uh, the laws of gravity, the laws of nature and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of thing, you know, it may not seem like much or what is mundane to you, but it's gold to a drummer out there that's learning how to play or wants to perfect their craft. Absolutely. I, and, you know, I see I see all the posts that that come through from from Daniel and from Rich, um, you know, and there's there's definitely a lot of of value, you know, to, and I, I'm I've shared a lot of the stuff on on drummers resource, um, like you were saying, about mm-hmm. you know, just little tidbits of information that are, you know, that that may spark something of maybe to motivate you to inspire you or even to inform you and say oh well you know i never really thought of that or i never i never realized that was the case or or something like that so i totally agree with you that those those uh little gold nuggets if you will um you know that kind of that are just like here's a little bit of information for you and it didn't cost you a dime and uh you know check back tomorrow maybe there'll be some more info right and you're not giving away the whole store even by doing this. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, everyone's different. Everyone has different things that they need to work on, you right. know, hence why, you know, there's guys that have best selling DVDs and that kind of thing, but they're still hired for individual lessons because, uh, you know, these DVDs are great and their instruction is great, but it's, it's general because you don't know exactly who you're speaking to mm-hmm. and everyone has their own different issues. So even though you're putting out all this information and people get nervous about that, you're not giving away the store. There's still tons more that, that people need to learn and that they would, you know, hire you for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, would you agree that it's a little easier to work with say Daniel Glass or Rich Redmond or Huey Lewis in the news than it would be to work for someone that nobody has any idea who they are who don't already have a a fan base built up yeah you know um, definitely I mean that's the tough thing is 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 starting from scratch and and building this up you know Mm -hmm. um for some of the clients that I work with, uh, like this past year, I started working with the fabulous Thunderbirds and they weren't doing much, but at the time, and so we've really ramped things up, but a lot of that is just kind of reawakening the fan base they already have out there. Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't know, everyone has to start somewhere and you know, it's gonna take time and you just have to, build it one fan at a time. And, and in some cases it's just being there consistently and it's just outlasting the people that give up, uh, quite easily. There's, 
you know, and and I know things get skewed in the media. People watch these uh, American Idol programs and voice programs, and they believe the myth of overnight success with musicians. Mm-hmm. That oh, okay, you you know, this is how it's done now. You go on a television show and you sing a few times, and then you get hundreds of thousands of followers. And yes, that's true to some extent, but what you have to remember is. Even a lot of the people that actually make it onto the show, some of these people are never heard from again. You know, it's to the point where I'm convinced a lot of these shows are working in tandem with the Witness Protection Program because (laughs) these people, as fast as they appear, they disappear just as fast into complete anonymity mm-hmm. and it's a flash in the pan kind of thing and whereas if you've been building up your fan base you know steadily and organically it's not as uh, it's not as much like fireworks and the overnight splash of millions but the more organic growth you have the more loyal those people are and and the better results you'll get and the more likely you are to actually sell albums and sell concert tickets and and have a career long term. Sure. You know, it's it, it's funny that you say that a good friend of mine is in the uh, the band, the Bloodhound Gang, and they've been around for 20 years and sold, I don't know, 10 million records or something like that. And most people, you know, now haven't heard of them or not not haven't heard of them, but but you don't hear much of them. Now they still have such a loyal following and fan base that whenever they tour, it's always packed and sold out. You know, even to this day, twenty years later. Right, and no, that just it, speaks volumes to what you're saying, in terms of, you know, building that fan base over a long time rather than the flash in the pan approach. Right, exactly, and that's you know that's where the genuine proof is. You know, I, I've. So many times I've encountered or read about uh, people who have even won some of these singing contests and cannot sell tickets to something. Mm-hmm. And then there was some lady that won one of the one of the, the United Kingdom versions of these shows. I don't remember which one it was. She won. She had thousands of followers online and, you know, released an album that sold maybe a few hundred copies. You know, and so it's like... You know, all right, yes, she had the overnight success, but, you know, if you take the slow and steady approach and build, odds are you're going to win out in the end. Sure. I totally, totally agree with you on that. Now, say there's people out there that are that want to do this. They want to, you know, really start engaging on, on social media, and they want somebody to help them. You are available to help people yes. that, that, you know, if they if they have the money to spend that they can hire you to do that, right? Yes, definitely. Now, what do, what do you suggest if someone's in the situation where they're like, Chris, you know what? You're a little bit out of my league right now, but I, I want to try to get some resources and try to try to really get a handle on this social media thing so that maybe in six months I can hire you. What direction would you point them? Is there any books or resources or anything to check out? Well, I'm happy to do a call with anyone, you know, just to talk and, and you know, and, and discuss what you're doing and what you what else you could be doing and and just throw out a bunch of other ideas you'll then have to go out and do the work yourself sure and just 
And not to cut you off, I'm going to put I'll have all your information in the show notes that people can get in touch with you. You know, if they want to if they want to take you up on that call, which I strongly suggest that they do. But go ahead. Yeah. And 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 I'm happy to do it. I've done that with people before where they're like, you know what, we're just starting out. We don't quite have the budget mm-hmm. um, to hire someone to do this. But, you know, I'm happy to talk to them and say, well, you know, here's here's some stuff that's happening, you know, and, and here's other things that you could do. Or, you know, you're really good at this. You know, why don't you you try advancing this way or just telling him about new things that uh, are occurring um in the in the realm of social media like for instance um and apparently not all not all bands are quite hip to this based on what i've seen facebook recently announced that um they're changing their algorithm so that if you have a public page and you post only text no picture no video to go along with it their algorithm is going to purposely push that down so that fewer people see that mm-hmm. and you know, so just adding a photo with whatever you're doing will help greatly increase your odds of having that post seen by your existing followers. So, right. you know, sometimes, and I know, you know, bands don't have the time to follow up on all this kind of minutia. And so I can at least give you a little tip or a hint along those lines. Now, the uh, the algorithm that you're talking about, and I, you know, I don't know if people know this either, that if you have 10,000 followers on Facebook and you put a post out there, that doesn't mean 10,000 of that doesn't mean 10,000 people see your post. No. And, um, well, and I was going to, you know, kind of explain that a little bit about how that whole thing works about with, with people engaging with your content and the more they engage, you know, the more they see kind of thing. Right. There's two, I don't know. There's two sides to this story, and I think both of them are valid. So Facebook created this great world that everyone is now inhabiting. Um, But then they became a public company, and they need to show that they're making money off of it or that they have a money-making strategy. And that, for them, revolves around advertising. So basically, to promote their advertising to encourage people to advertise more they created this newsfeed algorithm so that when you post something uh the algorithm will send it out to a i don't know the, the rumor is about 15 percent of your followers maybe mm-hmm. and if you know if people interact with it a lot, then the algorithm will allow it to be seen by more of your followers. If it's not interacted with a lot, then it gets tamped down and shown to fewer and fewer people. Mm-hmm. Which further which further solidifies the, the notion that you need to be creating good content that's shareable and likable rather than boring content and pictures of your lunch. Right, exactly. <laughs> Um, now on the one hand, I think they had the right, they have the right to do this. This is their space. They created it. Um, you know, it's not that big a surprise. They want to make money from it, that they Mm want to encourage you to help pay to promote your posts. Um, it's all legal, everything they're doing. On the other hand, I'd say they handled it in a horrendous manner. Uh, Mm -hmm. Because essentially they're holding your followers hostage. (laughs) Right. 
and saying, well, if you want to reach all of them, this is what, you know, you have to do. Um, so, I don't know, two sides to, to that story. However, I found that, again, if you create really interesting material, you can reach quite a bit of people. Maybe not all of your followers, but you could, you know, there's a lot of my clients reach at least the same amount of people that are following them. Mm-hmm. You know, there's people out there that I work with that have 40,000 followers and in a week they can reach 40,000 people because their right. content gets shared, gets commented on, gets liked. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And in that way, you kind of defeat the algorithm as it goes. Right. And and that's where I think also people need to focus is on these engagement stats, likes, comments, shares, things of that nature. People get caught up in the total number. But yet there's bands out there, and I won't name names, that have millions of followers. And but then you look at their posts and they get like a few hundred likes. Right. You know, they're not reaching people because they're putting out a lot of, of, of boring material. Whereas, you know, I, I'm proud to say I have clients that, you know, have maybe 40,000 followers, some of them. Um, and they're reaching more people than bands that have millions of followers. Right. Right. I mean, I think I just I think yesterday I got some of the most shares I've ever gotten. It was like forty seven hundred shares and or forty seven hundred likes. And I think like two hundred and fifty shares on on one of the newer interviews that I that I posted. Awesome. Yeah, I was like, it's pretty it was pretty impressive. I was like, not on my part, but uh, but because DW shared it. And that was like that was the beginning of the end, (laughs) (laughs) which is, you know, and that's that's kind of the stuff that that uh that we're talking about is, you know, if you get, if you can get somebody that has, you know, a half a million followers to share your photo or your status update or something like that, and it goes out to, you know, a half a million people and then 5,000 of those people share it or like it or something like that, you know, that's, it's powerful and, and exponentially can grow your, your, uh, your reach rather quickly. Yeah. And, and that's the other cool thing that you bring up is, is, there's ways that you can cross promote with other people where it becomes a situation where everyone wins. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, uh, I did one, one time I, I set up, uh, I posed the same question to Rich Redman, uh, as well as the Jay Moeller, who's the current drummer with the fabulous Thunderbirds and then took their answers and then put them together in a, in a poster that I put up online and put it on both properties. And then we tagged each other and it was kind of a cool way of, of A, having an interview online in social media space, and then also each got to introduce his followers to the other artists. Right. And, you know, again, it's it's a case of everyone wins, and maybe someone hasn't heard about this person, and this way you're introducing them uh, uh, to your followers and vice versa. Right. And, uh, you know, it, it, it becomes a, a it, you're creating naturally interesting content, but, but also cross promoting at the same time. Awesome. I like it. I like it. That's, that's a great idea. I remember seeing those posts as well too. So they were, they were cool. Thanks. And, you know, and then it's a stereotype, but drummers tend to be pretty nice people. They, they tend to be, very supportive of each other mm-hmm. from what mm-hmm. I found. Um, 
you know, if you use a, a, a Rich's analogy, he said, yeah, if you get five drummers, you know, together, uh, they'll talk about life and equipment and philosophy and the universe, and they will close down the bar. Right. He said, if you get five guitars together, they will beat the shit out of each other. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> and it's a stereotype, but there is it is some a stereotype. But it. you know, I it, there seems to be a lot more drum hangs and and you know drum uh, drum camps and and all that kind of stuff versus other yeah. instruments. You know, you know, and and like you know, Rich will be doing a clinic, and you know, we'll go to like Troy Lucetta, the drummer from Tesla. Mm -hmm. And say, hey, would you mind, you know, promoting this? No, I love Rich. Happy to promote his stuff as well. And, right. you know, and then it's reciprocated down the line. But I don't know that, you know, drummers are really great about promoting each other and helping each other out. And so, you know, I would definitely take advantage of that fact. I have witnessed that firsthand with everybody that I've been interviewing for, you know, for, for the podcast. <clears throat> Excuse me. Every single person is up to do it they share it they tell their friends about it you know rich had people email me <clears throat> excuse me to uh to get on the show you know and every single person that i've had is you know on the show has said anything you need just just let me know and i'd be willing to help and that's that goes a long way and it, for me it makes me feel good to be a drummer and to be in in that community you know yeah, definitely. And that kind of segues into another aspect, you know, like uh, um, going to events like PASIC, mm -hmm. um, you know, which is really awesome. And number one, you get to see this kind of uh, close-knit drumming community in action at mm -hmm. events like PASIC. And drummers going to each other's clinics and, you know, and promoting each other's clinics and supporting each other. And it's really great to see and, and, and a great time to take advantage of that kind of cross-promoting at events like that. The other thing is it brings up the point that a lot of work for social media happens away from the computer and right. um, offline. Um, this last one was especially busy for me because uh, Rich was doing a clinic, uh, client Daniel Glass was doing a clinic. Um, and so it was a lot of fun, but I was there to help, number one, take pictures of, of them doing their clinics. Right. I took all these different photos of Rich visiting his various sponsors' booths and everything and, you know, taking pictures with uh, with the guys at, at Promark, you know, at, and, and stuff. And, you know, it's really great and, and fun and you're connecting, but it, it really pays off in terms of social media in creating all this really cool content that you have to put up and share and you know you need to get away from the computer sometime to have good content to put up on the computer sure absolutely totally agree with that and you know look and and you and i met at PASIC, and now yes we're, and now we're here doing this interview yeah you know exactly. rich, in, rich introduced us so it's just um you know then i strongly agree that the networking outside of of uh of the internet or, or of the computer is definitely key to adding fresh and relevant content inside of it you know which is great mm -hmm. now if you had a if you had to give a, a piece of advice or a, a golden nugget for the listeners or, or you know something that they can that they can start implementing right now today what would you what would you say what's a big mistake that you see that people could change or a little a little golden nugget um 
Let's see. Well, besides the whole posting food photos and that kind of thing. Right. We've got um, no anybody out there. Don't, don't right. post food unless you're a restaurant. Right. If you're a foodie, that's one thing. But, right. Yeah. Or unless you had like some ridiculously crazy meal that nobody's ever seen. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um. Here's uh, one good thing that to learn about, and, and it just takes a few minutes. And it and these things are constantly changing. But go and read up on what the picture dimensions are for the various sites mm -hmm. for Facebook, for Twitter, uh, you know, for Instagram, that kind of thing. Because I see people posting things where there's, you know, they're they're large, colorful, orchestrated posters. Maybe it's for a clinic or something that they're doing. And it's just, you know, by the time it gets online to these sites, the print is way too small because it's been cropped by the platform and right. you can't read it. And so just by learning, all right, I need to make it, you know, um, say 403 pixels by 403 pixels, you know, and if you just crop your posters, your pictures that way, they'll look a lot better on those sites. They'll look a lot better on mobile devices and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. um, and another I think thing the stat I is, sorry, not to interrupt you, but no, I think the stat ahead. for Facebook is what 75% of the people are on mobile. And if those pictures, yeah. those pictures are getting cut off. So all you, it might say like Rich Redmond drum clinic Saturday, you know, whatever, March 24th. And, and all they're going to see is Saturday, March 24th. You know, right. like, what the hell does this mean? Right. You know? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I've seen tons of those, you know. Sure. Um, another thing, what was I going to say? Oh, another thing to do is, and then it takes extra time, but I highly recommend, you know, if you're going to post on Twitter, manually post on Twitter. Don't post on Facebook and have it push over to Twitter. I, the word, I was literally, that was my next question. <laughs> Number one, there's people on Twitter that hate Facebook and, you know, and so and number two, it looks bad if it your post cuts off mid sentence and then there's a link going to Facebook. Right. You know, it's it's like playing a song, stopping halfway through the song and saying, if you want to hear the rest, you need to go to the venue in the next city. You know, right. people are not going to do it. And it just looks like you're a jerk who doesn't care about your fans on Twitter. Right. There's all these different automation tools. And to my mind, none of them really work that well. Everything comes off just a little bit wrong. Right. Um, and even if it's like Instagram pushing over to Facebook, I know it's nice and easy to do, but then you miss out on tags, you know, that you could be doing linking right. to stuff. Um, it just it doesn't work. And then, you know, hashtags work really well in Instagram. And mm -hmm. so it's cool to load it up with that, but they don't work well on Facebook. And Facebook is looking at trashing their their whole hashtag thing. Right. And so, you know, if you end up with a post on Facebook where it's, you know, a filled with hashtags and people are like what the hell is this mm -hmm. so it it takes a little bit extra time but it's worth it if you just go to each platform individually and post there because then you make sure it looks good it's connected to whoever you want to connect to and right. and it, you get the best results two things to touch on that one with the facebook thing and correct me if i'm wrong but i think you should be posting different content on twitter than on facebook you know, or or maybe not necessarily different content, but wording it differently and giving offering the people that follow you on Twitter something unique versus the people that are following you on Facebook versus the people that are following you on Instagram. 
You know, it's like a lot of people post a picture on Instagram and then it goes to Facebook and then it goes to Twitter. And it's like, well, I'm just seeing the same content on all three platforms. So it's not really it doesn't really I might as well just be on one platform then and I could just follow you on Facebook or whatever my favorite one is. Right. You know? <clears throat> yeah. I don't know. It's it, that's a tricky situation. Um, you know, and again, trying to take into account, you know, a lot of busy artists don't have time to create multiple posts throughout the day. Right. Um, and also, again, there's, you know, again, there's people on Facebook who can't stand Twitter and they're never going to go to Twitter. Um, and vice versa. And there's people on hell, there's people on Google plus who have given up on everything. And, right. you know, all so, five of those people are right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say the one thing I love about Google plus and why I recommend it is because it gets priority in the Google universe. Yep. And so stuff you put up there will populate through Google search and things mm -hmm. like that. And so I think it's important just for that reason alone. Totally. And their hangouts um, are great. The Google hangouts yeah. are really good. I don't know. And so it's tricky. You know, it's like if you do post something in one place and not in the other, there's a chance people are going to miss it. Right. But but I understand what you're saying. And also, if you post multiple times a day on Facebook, the algorithm is going to kick in and you're going to start competing against yourself. Right. Whereas on Twitter, because it's just this constant river of information, posting more than once on Twitter is really totally fine. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, if you're going to you know, you got to adapt to whatever the platform is in a, in a certain respect. Right. You know, and, and again, you know, as you were saying, you know, you've only got 140 characters on Twitter, so you don't want to have that cut off sentence on Twitter. You want to be able to communicate in the way that people communicate on, on Twitter. Mm -hmm. And one thing I do a lot is I'll, if I have a picture that I want to share on both Facebook and Instagram, for example, I'll share it from the Instagram app, but then I'll go mm. onto my page, edit the picture, take out the, you know, at so-and-so and, -so, and mm -hmm. maybe and tag them in the post rather than using the at sign. Take out hashtags if I used them. So then you, you, you want to make your, your content platform specific um, because I, there's nothing that annoys me more than seeing a post that says like, hey, thanks to at Nick Ruffini, but it, that, it doesn't go anywhere on Facebook. It's just an at right. sign, and you know. So I, I'll go through and make them make them platform uh, specific or platform uh, proper, you know. Yeah. No, I think no. That's that's a totally great way of doing it. Cool. And if there's anything else you know you want to add, or uh, or if you want to tell us a little bit more just about the site and where people can reach you. Uh, it's at bands2fans.com, two spelled out, so B-A-N-D-S-T-O-F-A-N-S.com. And, um, you know, I'm putting up, I have a blog up there where I put up, you know, interviews with, with uh, uh, some of my clients um, or just snippets of advice on things I think bands and individual musicians should be doing as far as social media. Um, and again, if you know you just have questions and and you know just want to have a, an initial call or consultation, I'm more than happy to talk to you. And for everybody out there listening, if you if you go to Daniel Glass's Facebook page or Rich Redmond's Facebook page or Huey Lewis and the News Facebook page or Chris's Facebook page, um, you can see the way that that Chris works all of these all of these uh, pages and. I think you can learn a lot just by just by watching him do that. And also, 
Chris, I love the the post that you always put out, like the little fifteen second snippets. You know, where it's it's <laughs> you like, listen, don't do this, okay? That's all. You know, it's like you know, you're like, listen, people, you don't need to do this to get fans. So stop. Okay, <laughs> bye. <laughs> They're great though. I love and I always watch them. I'm like, yes, I agree with that too. Right. So, well, so definitely. Actually, that that speaks to what you were saying about making sure you fit whatever platform you're on, you know, and that comes right. from Instagram adding their 15 second videos and, mm -hmm. and trying to figure out, all right, how can I tell some sort of complete story in just 15 seconds? Right. Uh, and you um, do it well. You do oh, it well. Oh, thanks. So. <laughs> and I don't, do you post those on your, cause, cause you and I are friends on Facebook too. And I, I follow your, uh, your bands to fans page. So are those, vi those videos are on your bands to fans page, right? Yeah. Yeah. I put okay, them up cool. there as well. So it's just facebook.com forward slash bands to fans, right? Mm-hmm. Cool. That's so it. Check, so check it out, everybody. And like I said, all the information will be in the show notes if you want to give Chris a call and uh, and have a, a, you know, a conference with him and he can kind of lead you in the right direction for your social media and you can hire him too. So I strongly suggest <laughs> that too if you, if, you, uh, if you have it in your budget. Chris, thank you so much for doing this, man. I really appreciate it. I think you shed some light on on the social media thing and kind of debunked some myths and uh, gave people a little bit of insight how they could improve their social media strategy. So I appreciate it, and I know that that everyone listening did as well. Yeah, my pleasure. And you know, thanks for having me on, and and you know, thanks for the work you do in in you know uh, uh, bringing out. Uh, the talent that is there behind the drum kit, which doesn't, you know, always maybe get the recognition it deserves, because um, there's a lot of great guys, you know, drummers that are behind the scenes, you know, not in the spotlight, but they're they're really driving the music, and it's you know, it's it's great to see and be able to to hear what they have to say on your show. Well, thank you, man. I I appreciate that. It's definitely a labor of love, but uh, you know, so I, I love doing it. But I I appreciate you saying that. That means a lot. Thanks. My pleasure. All right. Thanks all right. Again, all right. I'll be talking Chris to you Cohen from Bands to Fans. Sounds good. All right. And you care. can check him out. Bands to Fans.com. B A N D S T O F A N S. And he said that he is willing to have a consultation with you. And, you know, he can he can definitely help you in your social media efforts if you need that sort of thing or you just have a few questions for him. So check him out, bands2fans.com. You can visit us, drummersresource.com or facebook.com forward slash drummersresource. And you can also sign up for the mailing list there where you can get some tips and tricks uh, delivered right to your inbox as well as advanced copies of the the podcast before it comes out so you get the the pre-release version of the podcast before it comes out and if you have a second you can head over and leave us a review on itunes that would be greatly appreciated and also i want to hear from you so email me at nick at drummersresource.com if you want to submit any questions or if if there's anything that you want covered in these podcasts i'd love to hear your feedback so just email me nick at drummersresource.com and on Twitter, we're now on Twitter with Drummers Resource. It's at Drummers R Source. At Drummers R Source. And until next week, keep drumming. Thanks so much for listening. I appreciate it. I'll be talking to you soon. Peace. Peace.